Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. show today i can tell already blair and barker the second guest the manager edition blair and barker no that that's blair oh yeah you you is uh you're you you are let's the let's blame it on the umpire edition always a show and absolutely the the astros and the red sox a nine to one game was three hours and 32 minutes jeff that had everything to do with the manager not taking the starting pitcher out in the sixth inning Anyhow, we'll, uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. The uh, National League Championship Series is on the verge of being decided, just as it was last year when the Atlanta Braves spit out the bit. E- and uh, Houston and Boston, they've got an off day. They're going back to Houston, and, and, and Boston is just, I think, just trying to figure out what the hell happened between, <clears throat> between the eighth inning of Game, game Four and, uh, and now. The Astros 9-1 winners last night. Uh, we got a ton to talk about, as I said. Mark Shapiro, president of the Blue Jays, will join us in the uh, second half of the show. Jeff Blum, Houston Astros analyst, will be along as well. So, Kevin, let, let's let's start. Well, let's just start with the managerial decisions regarding the pitching because that is a talking point out of this. Look, there was a lot of great offensive nights. We've got to talk about Eddie Rosario. Obviously, we have to talk about Jordan Alvarez. But in these two games... We saw, I think, for a variety of reasons, managerial decisions made earlier in the series come back to bite a couple of teams. We'll start with the Dodgers and the Braves, first of all. Obviously, no question that Julio Urias was going to start. But, Kevin, this is a guy who was pitching, was it fourth time in 11 days, five times in 15 days? Something like that. A lot. A lot. And we know he's a workhorse. And we know he did it last year, but I thought during the telecast, I think it was Ron, and it was Ron Darling was doing was on the game. Yep. Ron Darling made a, a point that I found really interesting, and he said you know, everybody was looking back at what a stud Urias was last year in the playoffs. But as he said, he'd only he'd only pitched through a sixty game season. You know, you're asking him to do this year what he did last year after going through a 162-game a, a season. So that's one thing. But the other aspect here gets back to the – just gets back to how Dave Roberts – and I'm going to include how the Dodgers, because I don't just think it's Dave Roberts, but how the Dodgers have managed their pitching. Look, the roots of this, to me, were set up <clears throat> when Max Scherzer comes in in relief. And this is kind of the flip side of this, right? You make all these moves, and then you find yourself in a position where 
you can't manage the game the way you normally would. Look, it was obvious Arias didn't have didn't have his his good stuff. The velo was down, and the movement still seemed to be there. But Urias is a guy that lives and dies in location with his fastball. It's obvious that wasn't there. And, and Dave Roberts, I mean, there's there's all he could do was all he could do was ride it, ride it, and hope that his team scored six runs, basically. Yeah, I think that's for me has more to do with the Dodgers not scoring runs, and it has to do with with who's starting and. Uh, Urias is one of those guys for me. He's a workhorse. Uh, you, you know what he threw in his last outing, 14 pitchers or so that for me, that had no bearing on, on what it looked like yesterday. Uh, it, the velocity started to come back. Now, you know, when he's really good, he has the good finish. He has the good mechanics. Mm-hmm. It's repeatable. He's getting the more 95s than he is the 92, 93s, which was most for the most part was what you were seeing. And that makes the breaking ball that much better. And he can pitch in the location, Maybe he was forcing, trying to force velocity. You could see a couple of times, at least I did, that he would let it go. He would let it eat. It looked like he was forcing it. He would turn around, look at the scoreboard, and the number wasn't exactly what he wanted it to be. And then when you when you see the numbers not what you ultimately want it to be, then you start trying a little bit too hard, and that's when location starts to suffer and you start giving up harder hit balls. But you got to tip your hat, too, to the Braves. Freddie Freeman's figured something out. He had a home run there early in the game. They hit back-to-back homers off Urias early in the game which takes pressure off, you know, a Brian Snicker on who's he going to. Smiley's staying in the game longer because they have the lead. That's the only reason because they're scoring more runs. And when they get hits like that and they take a little pressure off the manager this time of the year, that just sort of has everything else kind of falls in place and puts the other team on their heels, which, which is exactly not what you expect a Dodgers team to be like. And, you know, the Gavin point. Lux thing, too, for me, playing center field just doesn't look right. Well, what's, that was his 11th start in his career. He had a couple of starts in the minor leagues to try and figure out how to play center field, and you're putting him – you know, in a in a quarterback position, sort of that's the second quarterback is after the shortstop. That that center field is sort of the 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 catalyst of the outfield. Everything sort of feeds off of that guy. And when you see your center fielder not diving after balls like he should have, Urias was throwing his hands in the air, going, you know, a, a a little bit more comfortable center fielder should make that play. Help me out a little bit, which is not a good look when your starting pitcher is throwing his hands in the air, but is that Gavin Lux's fault? Absolutely not. Well, so I, people are playing out of position is my point here, bingo. which is not exactly what you expect this time of the year from the Dodgers. And way back, way back at the start of the postseason, I think one of the very first things you said about the Los Angeles Dodgers when we were looking at the potential matchups, you said, don't underestimate the loss of Max Muncy. Max Muncy has, never mind the the offense he provides. Max Muncy's absence has exposed a lot of things about the Dodgers. We talked about this. I've got something I want to talk about with Gavin Lux in a minute. Just remind me, because it's something that was said during the telecast. Mm -hmm. But before that, before we get to that, you've got the Dodgers with a huge payroll. You've got the Dodgers with 106 wins. You've got the Dodgers... And I'm not blaming Steven Souza Jr. and all that, but you, you, you've got the Dodgers that have had games where they've had Steven Souza Jr. and Gavin Lux, as you said, learning to play center field in the postseason. You got starters coming in as relievers and relievers coming in as starters. I really think this is I really think this is an example of a team outthinking itself. And and 
getting too cute. Sometimes I think you have to, like Dusty. You, Dusty played that game straight up. He's, he looked at Valdez. Valdez was, what was he, had 70 pitches through five innings or six innings? Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it was almost like Dusty said, okay, I can manage this just like a regular game now. Now, of course, it helps when your team's tattooing the other team for nine runs. But this is the thing about the Dodgers. If they do lose this series, we're going to look bad at a 106-win team that ended up with two subpar, not subpar defensive players, but ended up with a couple of players out of position and ended up essentially not losing faith in its bullpen, but deciding that the stuff that got them 106 wins during the season wasn't going to work in the postseason. Yeah, just just taking out Max Muncy offensively, his 36 homers, his 90 Five RBIs is a big deal. Then you if you know, got Muncie, then you can have Bellinger in the outfield. Absolutely, you're- absolutely. It just makes your team more athletic. It, it it puts everybody in places so they can they can succeed and be the best player that they can possibly be. It's you know the, in a must win game they have a bullpen day. Yeah. How do you Todd, do that? How do you Todd, do that when right? you got like a two hundred million dollar payroll? That's a great question. Like I, I don't know if I have the answer for that. I, it just it just seems like for for whatever reason that they can't get out of their own way. And and you know again you you can say it on that side of it, but you also have to give the Braves credit. And they got Max Free going today. Who that yacker is hmm. going to play big time today? And you know he can go out. There's no that, pressure on the Braves. They got a three one lead in that park with I, the heavy it, air. It's it's just you know he's got really good stuff. He can pitch in. He's elevate. He can elevate now. He's got a lot of confidence in that. He's got really good feel that breaking ball. He can add the slider to to you know add a little bit different mix to the lefties that he's going to face. You know Will Smith. He can work around that. Even that having not, no Max Muncie now you can pitch around Will Smith. Mm-hmm. That's basically what that's done is mm-hmm. that that's eliminated one of the Dodgers' better hitters when it matters the most, which puts pressure on other people like Gavin Lux, which Gavin Lux is probably not going to play today, which maybe will make their team a little bit better. He'll come off the bench because Max Freed is a left-hander. But it just I, – I, I don't know if it, if it makes you wonder what, what's going on upstairs when it comes to the Dodgers, but I'm with you. You know – it's just when you look at how the Dodgers have attacked this and you can ask yourself, did the Dodgers just say, basically, we have a better roster than you do. Here it is. See if you can beat us. And you can absolutely say they have not done that. They have not said, here's my best guy. Every five days, I'm going to throw him out there. Here's my, I'm not going to try and trick you. I'm not going to put people outside the box. I know what we did in the 60 game season. Let's not try that and go to the well two times because Normally, that just that's not going to be a recipe for winning, and it just seems like that they they like you said they've over they've overthought it, and and now they're they're for me no 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 Justin Turner right. It's going to make it real tough now for them to string together hits again. It puts a lot of pressure on the the Corey Seegers and the Trey Turner who's having a really bad uh, postseason. You know, Mookie Betts has, has stepped it up and been Mookie Betts, but the, the other guys, do they have enough? That that's the question. And and now the the Braves have nothing to lose. Now it's just go out. We got our best guy on the mound. We're feeling frisky at the plate. We got you on the ropes. You got guys playing out of position. You got you, you know you got the lineup that's you know you probably shouldn't be having in the lineup at this time of the year. So for me, the I would say this is about as must win for the Braves today because of everything that's going on with the Dodgers. 
You you want you want to shut that door today. Yep. Get it over with, move on, and then now you're you're looking ahead to the World Series. Yeah, if you're the Braves, and it really doesn't I'm not even looking back at last year in recent history. It's just what you have in front of you right now. This is your chance. You you've got you've got a team that's reeling. You got a, you got a bullpen day. You got your best guy going. Yeah, this this is it's, it's right there. It's all there for the Atlanta Braves to be sure. All right, let's talk about the Red Sox and Astros series. Nine uh, one, the Astros beating the Red Sox. Uh, a big five run sixth inning for the Astros really sent them on their way. But again, we're going to be talking about pitching decisions or non-decisions. And in the case of the Boston Red Sox, at, at, if this were a regular season game and Alex Cora had left Chris Sale in to face Jordan Alvarez, lefty and lefty, and Jordan Alvarez comes through with that two-run hit, I don't know if there would necessarily be a lot of criticism. But because, again, this gets back to because of the way Alex Cora has managed the postseason. What have we always said about Alex Cora? What has he done so far? He has always seemed to make the right pitching decision at the right time. He has not, as far as I can remember, through the postseason, I don't know, Kevin, if there's been a, been a game where he's waited too long to make a move. You thought he waited too long. Well, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you this because I'm I'm conflicted on this. As I said, given the way he has managed through the postseason, I'm a little surprised that he let Chris Sale have Jordan Alvarez again. However, and well, you know, let's let's Lance, let's play the clip from Alex Cora after the game because that was a big talking point. Chris Sale was left in to face Jordan Alvarez. They could have walked Jordan Alvarez. That wasn't on the table, and I'm quite frankly, I'm fine with that. I, at that point in time, given the way Chris Sale was pitching, uh, I'm not going to walk a lefty. But it came, it came back to bite him. And and this was Alex Cora after the game talking about the decision to leave Chris Sale in. Alex, obviously, Sale had been great through five innings, uh, including the eight pitch fifth. That said. With him getting to the third time through the order, you know, how much thought had you given to having Brazier warming for the first batter? How much thought, how much was there debate about having him come out for the sixth? And can you talk about kind of batter by batter through those first four, like including the decision to get to Alvarez? I mean, he was throwing the ball great. There was some weak contact throughout the night. He was on command. You know, the walk put us in that place, but then we didn't make a play. Then Bregman hits a comebacker to the pitcher, and then Alvarez hits a hit. You know, uh, sometimes we get caught up too much on third time through the order. You know, and he was throwing the ball great. The stuff was really good. He was throwing 97 with a good slider. I understand, you know, how people think, but you know, there were two lefties coming up too in that pocket, right? Uh, Brandley, who he did an amazing job. Early on, and uh, and we had Alvarez. Still, he is who he is, but he's Chris Sale. He's a lefty, and you know, he he's made a living getting lefties out. Uh, you got to tip your hat to the kid, you know, to the guy. You know, he he didn't try to do too much, and on that first pitch, we met a second and third, and he goes the other way. But now, uh, 
I wasn't even, you know, I was getting ready for the guy next to, to after, after Alvarez. We went there and uh, they, you know, put the ball in play, we didn't make plays, and that happened. That was Alex Cora talking. And it, the, the whole third time through thing, with all due respect to Alex Cora, the reason we make a big deal about it is because he and other managers and other people make a big deal about it. It never used to be a thing. Never, yeah, I, I don't remember pff, 10 years ago. I don't remember guys talking about, oh, it's the third time through. It, you know, I'm sure it, and maybe it was a factor in some people's minds, but it was never a talking point. You never, you never heard anybody say, well, now that they're getting, you know, now that they've seen him for the third time, you've got to start worrying about it. It was always how the guy was throwing, what the, the, the scoreboard was as well. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, they didn't make plays, Kevin. They haven't hit in the last two games. I I have less of an issue with the way with Alex Cora leaving Chris Sale in than I do with the way Dave Roberts has kind of completely screwed up his everything, his pitching. I have or the way the Dodgers have screwed up their pitching. I've got less of an issue with this. I think this is kind of a defensible move how, yeah, do, you, how I, do you feel I, about I have it? no I have no issues I I, I think he <clears throat> and first of all we can agree the intentional walk of out you're not going to intentionally walk Alvarez absolutely not he's right. left-handed Chris Sale throws a, a bazillion miles an hour from where he throws it from so, across his body yeah, we're on the same he's page. A nightmare for left he's one left he's getting a hit off him I mean one lefty is living in a tree in one day who's you know hit a home what does living a, in a tree like, mean? like doing things that you're not supposed to do against a guy that nobody else ever does it against that's, that, living, that's, that's that living in a tree yeah, like you're way up there nobody else can okay. even see you that's that's how high up you are All right. you, you know we talk about Gavin Lux playing center field well how about Kyle Schwarber playing first base who is that's one thing to to stick a guy at first and and try and you know just get by when you're bludgeoning people and it's and it's fifteen to nothing. That's never been fifteen to nothing, but you get the point. They I were the point. they were scoring a ton of runs and his defense at first didn't really matter. You walk Altuve, you're in the shift with Brantley. The, the, the shortstop's closer to second. Altuve sees that. It's like, ha, I can go to third base. Well, Kyle Schwarber sees that out of the corner of his eye, gets his feet tangled up a little bit at first base. The ball is a little closer to the heel of his glove. It clanks off. That's what my point is. When you're not used to seeing all these situations that go on this time of the year as a position player, when a really good base running team like Altuve, mm. he's a really good base runner, puts pressure on a guy, and he takes his eye off of what he wants to do first – and then worry about the play taking place. It, right. This sort of takes all. You know, all things come, come fold here. And and then, right. He gets the instead of a runner at third base with one out. Now it's first and third. Now he gets a a Bregman. You know, swinging at a bad pitch gets a little weak ground ball to the pitcher. Now it's second and third instead of third with two outs. It's second and third with one out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get Alvarez coming up, who's living in that tree that I've been talking about you know, who gets a fastball basically right down the middle. And I'm not sure he's thinking about going the other way. I just that think was my he, next question. Nah, I just think he, he throws it from a really odd angle. He's a nightmare on left. It just, I don't even know how you explain, explain Jordan Alvarez to me, because when the Jays played the Astros, you came on and you were talking about Jordan Alvarez and how as a guy who, as a guy who tried to, it, Guy who hit left-handed in the majors, yeah, and and how you were just so intrigued 
by Jordan Alvarez and his swing and his approach. Yeah, so got, tell well, us a little bit about he's it. He's got everything you want as a hitter. He's quiet at the plate. He's short and quick. He has a really good steering wheel. I talk about steering wheel is your bottom hand. His, he's very bottom hand dominant, which means that will take the barrel anywhere the pitch is located. So he can use the entire field, right? If it's in, the steering wheel just pulls the the bottom hand, which is your steering wheel, and, and creates that length to the baseball with your barrel. Last night is a different animal. You know, everybody was saying, well, it's the first time he's had three hits the other way. He ain't doing that on purpose. He's just making I, contact. With a guy <laughs> that has a unbelievably you know, odd way of throwing it. Chris Sale was all the way on the third base side of the rubber. He throws across his body. He is very deceptive with, you know, you don't see the ball until it's way out. And if you're a left-handed hitter, it's behind you. So instead of, you know, your, your eyes being where you put your chin on your, on your would be your right shoulder. Now you have to almost stretch your neck to where you're seeing the release point of Chris Sale and then you're just, you know, trying to be as short and quick and as quiet with your lower half as you possibly can to give yourself a chance. The, the home run that he hit was a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that was like six inches off the plate away. Now, Alvarez is a really good hitter, but does he have plate coverage? For me, that's not the one thing that screams with him is plate coverage, right? It's on the plate. Occasionally, if he's looking in a certain window, he can – you know, get that that where the hand is going and directing the barrel to the baseball. But it is – that's what I said. Sometimes you just – you're getting real lucky of, you know, I, I get it down early enough, I'm quiet enough, I'm quick enough, there's not a lot of wasted movement, and I have enough hand-eye coordination that I can create all that that length and that direct bat path that I need to to a certain guy. He had three hits off Chris Sale. If I come on here and told you that Jordan Alvarez was going to have three hits off Chris Sale, you'd call me crazy. Maybe no, one. Well, maybe a one for four with a homer. Especially, you can believe that, but three. Especially given the way Chris <clears throat> Chris Sale was pitching last night. He looked like Slider was here. Chris Sale that was we'd up. Seen in he the looked past. confident. He, you know, he had tempo, he had rhythm, which is a big deal. That Tommy John thing. And I really do think that's why Alex Cora left him in. I know what Alex Cora said there about the five innings and, and the stuff looked there, the finish looked there. You know, they always talk about down the mountain, how that rhythm looks. Is, is he staying connected? All of the things that you were looking for as a manager, he was showing you. And then he understood how hard he had been working. Chris Sale talked about this all the time about how bad his couple of starts were, how bad it made him feel, how hard he was working in bullpens, throwing, arm conditioning, all the things that went into it. You don't think Alex knew that? That sometimes you just, all yeah. the hard work that a guy's been doing, leave him out there and let him figure it. Like, just leave him out there. We, we know how hard he's working. Right now, we don't have a better option. And the couple of lefties that were coming up, look, they were a Kyle Schorber good play away from, I don't want to say getting out of that, Limiting the damage. Exactly right. Limiting the damage. Exactly right. Uh, we should also, by the way, credit Dusty Baker for starting the runner. Not uh, on that play. That was a that was and it was forecast again the telecast. And it was it was Smoltz and, and Buck. Smoltz kind of kind of forecasted that a little bit. That that was a great time to do that in the part of Dusty. And and I think you've talked about this a lot. Sometimes sometimes when a game starts, <clears throat> the manager. The manager can have an impact by putting pressure in the other team's defense. Make them make a play. 
Yeah, that, and that's what they did there. Well, that, that he saw the same thing that Alice Cora was seeing. That, that that Chris Sale looked really good. He looked confident. He was doing all those kind of things. You get a leadoff walk. You get Michael Brantley up, who hadn't had good at bats against him, was chasing, mm-hmm. and I think the at bat before had chased the slider that wasn't even close. Yeah, that's not Michael Brantley. So yeah. what do you do? You take all the guesswork out of it, and now he's just trying to play pepper with the baseball. Now it was like that cue shot, swing and bunt, but that puts pressure on a defense, and that's what. You know, that's what uh, Dusty was trying to do there, and it worked out for the Astros. But yeah, you know, Michael Brantley's going to make contact have, for the most, most part. Most, most of, the, of time, the time. Unless it's Chris Sale throwing that weird arm angle from where he's releasing the ball from and, and has that slider. When he has the slider, he could be a real tough. He go, he's tough on righties when he has the slider. Think about how tough he is or would be against a really good left handed hitter mm-hmm. like Michael Brantley. And it, it was showing, and that's what you do on the road. You, you do things like that on the road because you're seeing big picture. You see how your pitcher looks. You see how the opposing pitcher looks. You see how your batter has looked against that pitcher. You see that you just had a walk from a guy that can run the bases. Better place to put a put a little uh, hit and run on, put some pressure on defense, and it worked out. Has there been a more timely start from a starting pitcher in the postseason than what, than what Fromber Valdez gave, gave Dusty and gave the Astros? Not for yesterday. Dusty Baker. That That is... I pointed this out. They did this this six to watch this article in Sportsnet.ca at the start of the series, and I picked Valdez as one of the guys to watch because I just thought the combination, especially in Fenway Park, I thought the combination of the ground ball pitcher and the Astros defense would be important. And we saw it. We saw it yesterday. That I mean that that literally. The offense was. Don't get me wrong. Nine one and 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 nine two. I mean the Astros deserved to win those two series. But that really sets that might set the Astros up for the rest of the postseason because now Garcia, you, you got your bullpen is you got an off day your bullpen's rested you got mm-hmm. Garcia lined up that might set them up for the rest of the for the of the postseason yeah it that makes start it, it makes it easier for for uh, for Dusty and I was texting back back and forth with a friend last night and I said it just looks like if the Astros can get decent starting pitching they're gonna win the World Series. I don't have to be great starting pitching. No, decent. Just decent starting pitching because what that does is it makes it easier for Dusty to figure out when he wants to go to certain guys. And the guys that he really isn't comfortable going to in the pen, that decent start from the starting pitcher eliminates that guy. It takes all the guesswork out of it from him. And, well, look, Valdez, when when I, I just look at the velocity, there's not too many lefties that have run and sink that's left-handed, that can average 94.5 on their fastball and touch 97. There's just not many of them, and especially that have the movement and can basically tell a really good lineup that it's coming. They, can, they can't do anything about it. The only guy that had a decent bat was Devers. And Devers, Devers is an elite offensive player. We can forget about ever talking about you know who the Devers is. He's a left-handed Vlad. He's right. an elite, elite offensive player. He does things that most human beings can't do, and that's get the head out on a, on a 94-mile-an-hour running fastball from a left-handed pitcher. Other other guys, he could tell them that that pitch was coming and they couldn't do anything about it, and that is exactly what the doctor ordered. Now the Astros have everything in their favor. They're going home with the lead. What more do they want? Smoltz also made a point about Valdez, and I found it kind of interesting because when you watch Valdez pitch, I'm I'm watching him pitch. And I'm trying to think of myself. Something looks different about the way Valdez throws compared to other guys. 
And Smoltz made the point about how his body, he's always looking at the mound when he, or at, at the plate when he delivers the ball. He's square to the plate. He's not falling off to one side yeah. the way a lot, of other, a lot of other guys are. Explain to me what that does to his pitches. That, to me, that would allow his pitches to do what they're going to do naturally. That, that gives him finish, and that basically makes him go where he wants him to go. Like when you have good finish and you're not falling off to one side or the other, we talk about this all the time with Alec Manoa. When mm-hmm. Alec Manoa gets in trouble, what's he do? He's pulling glove side a lot to the first baseman, and that makes his sinker run up and away to a lefty, up and into a righty. That's why you see him hit righties occasionally is because he doesn't always have the good finish, and that's why I'm yelling and screaming. That's why Petey, when we had him on Pete Walker, yelled at me and said, oh, he's not been good enough because I said he should have a windup. It would make him better deception early in games, get him in the better flow of the game. But what do I know? You know, PD obviously knows his pitchers better than I know. It's just, it's the finish. It, it obviously gets the sinker started where he wants it to start. Ultimately, when he starts it there, it'll end up where he wants it to end up. And, you know, when he's, when he's throwing as hard as he was throwing last night, you don't have to first time through now show him the breaking ball. Uh, that's that's the ultimate goal here. His first time through is basically all sinkers. All sinker in that running heater, and it was 94 to 97. And then second time through is when you started seeing the big yacker because now guys know that they have to start cheating a little bit to get the head out, and they have to get ele- everything elevated. And when you start making hitters think about all of those things, and then you can start flipping the breaking ball. You get weak swings. You get odd swings. You get weak contact. You get deeper in games, and – you get Dusty over there going, man, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Dusty didn't have uh-huh. didn't have a whole lot of managing to do last night. He did not, but it was funny when when he hit J.D. Martinez, uh, uh, and then Dusty was the one that came out and not the pitching coach. And I, I, I'm not kidding. When I was sitting on the couch watching that because I played for Dusty with the Reds, I've seen Dusty do this. Now, I can't tell the exact picture because I've seen him do it more than once, but it's it's – Dusty's right out of the out of the, the the dugout right away. He doesn't look at the pitching coach to say you need to go talk to him. Uh-uh. It's all Dusty. Like Dusty just have that he's got that little thing between his ears that tell him the pitch this is not a time for the pitching coach to go out. It's time for me to go out. And he just basically he said it after the game. I just went out there to basically say you're the man. You are the man. Go out here and show us that you're the man. It was just that little time that he needed, you know, Papa Dusty to come out there and go and just tell you and need that reassurance and and tell his young guy, now he's not a youngster, but tell his young pitcher at the time in the big moment that you're the man and continue to pound the zone and don't go outside the box. We're counting on you. You can do this. And then you see him take off and that's just Dusty. That's that's why I, that, that's why I have a lot of time for Dusty and you know, I'm I'm rooting for Dusty. I always have. It was interesting watching Valdez's body language during the game, his reaction. He he seemed to be having a lot of fun out there. You wouldn't have fun if you were dominating a really, a really good lineup? It, well, yes, but he looked to me as if he was extremely, he looked as if he was really comfortable in his environment. He, 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 he looked he, like he, a guy who wanted, he looked like a guy who wanted to be pitching, to be pitching there at, 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 at that game, he wanted he wanted the game to not, be in his hands. Not the easiest thing to say with that short porch you left. You're coming off a stinker that you had, mm-hmm. where you didn't go three innings, and you're expected to do a lot for this team. Your team has woes with Lance McCullers Jr. not playing. It's a lot of pressure on you, and you to come out and start doing the things you were doing. And as soon as I, he 
looked to me like anyway, that he knew that he had the run and the sink on the sinker. He knew it was going to be a long day for the Red Sox. I, I just think he's that type of pitcher that when he sees that and he sees that he can maintain velocity with the mechanics and repeating that and getting the same release point over and over and over again and can get the the pronation and the big finish that you were talking to with the lanes that he you have to pitch with with the sinker and, and the run to the fastball. Just, just look, there's a little bit of Superman when it comes to that. You know, you, you got to have that when you're on the road. Fenway's not the easiest place to play. When you're a visitor, I, I played there. I was lambasted playing first base there. My name's easy to pick on, and and it's just not a very easy place to go there. I can't imagine how hard it is for the Astros to go to Fenway Park and for a young guy to be standing on that mound and to act like a little bit like Superman now that the sinker's sinking, the the, the two sinkers running, and I got the velocity. Good luck. 9-1, the Astros beat the Boston Red Sox yesterday. The uh, teams are traveling back to Houston. The Astros are up three games to two. The Braves and Dodgers will play the fifth game of their series tonight. The Braves are leading that series three games to one. We will be joined by Mark Shapiro, Jeff Blum, Astros analyst as well. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about Yuli Gurriel and the postseason he's having, the hitter he is. Maybe talk a little bit, maybe compare him to his brother, Lourdes, a little bit. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. So as I mentioned earlier, we will have March. Sorry. As I mentioned earlier, there's something in my ear. I'm hearing voices. Parker's just going, eh, you know. It's a sign of something. What is it? The light's coming? <laughs> as I mentioned a little earlier, Mark Shapiro, president of the Toronto Blue Jays, joins us at 11 o'clock. If you've got questions for Mark, you can text us at 590-590, and uh, we will pick a couple of questions and ask them. Please include your name and location, and uh, we will dip into the text line for our interview with Mark. That'll be at 11 o'clock and certainly looking forward to it as we are looking forward to our next guest. Uh, He is Jeff Blum, Astros analyst. And he joins us on Blair and Barker. Jeff, thank you for taking time out to uh, join us again today. We always appreciate your time. And we got a lot to talk about after those two games. And and I'm going to let Kevin get right away to a question he has for you. Go ahead, Kevin. No, well, we, we talk about Yuli Gurriel all the time. And, and I, I was just, Jeff, wanted to get your thoughts on, on approaches at the plate. I, that's one thing when I'm sitting on my couch and, you know, I, I try to put myself in certain situations. I'm sure you've been there too before. How guys go about their bats. And Yuli looks like a guy that doesn't sit pitch. He, he dictates his at-bat according to what the situation is in front of him. Like last night, you know, when he had the RBI, it looked to me like he was trying to go to, to right field. Am I on to something there, or am I just reading too much into that? No. I, I, th- I, think, that is, I think that's your appreciation of, of kind of, you know, we played during the same era. We kind of we realized that we played, you know, with guys like Juan Gonzalez. That's a swing that Yuli that Yuli's kind of reminds me of. 
But you also had those guys that were these pure RBI run production type guys. And Yuli is really one of those guys for me because of the way his swing sets up. And I think what you're noticing as well as I do, I'm lucky enough to watch him on a daily basis and be around him and kind of, you know, see how he manipulates the baseball. And I think that he is truly one of those guys who thinks about going to the opposite field and then adjust pulling to the inside. Because I think, you know, just in watching him and the way his his bat moves through the zone, he really leads with the knob. So there's really good lag and he stays through the zone an incredibly long time. And it allows him to take some of that, some of that fastball heat on the inside and shoot it the other way. But if you all of a sudden put a guy at second or third, no matter if there's nobody out, one out, two outs, he, he is going to find a way to put that ball in play and put it in a position where he can drive in a run. Uh, he's absolutely re- remarkable. He was one of the best hitters. Well, he was the best hitter in the American League. But at the same time, with a runner at third base less than two outs, he had an unbelievable way of finding a pitch that he could find a hole with or drive to the outfield and get that sacrifice fly. So his approach has always been that up the middle, the other way with authority. And then if you make a mistake, it hangs out over the plate. and He can get that barrel through it and he'll launch it, man. He, he has been a lot of fun to watch. And he's actually a bit of a throwback in this day and age of lift and separate. Because of all those things you just talked about, you think it's hard for Dusty to pencil his name in the seventh slot every day? <laughs> Um, you know what? Maybe to a point, but at the same time, this lineup is so unbelievably deep that I think that, you know, the reason you, the only reason I can think of that Yuli is that deep in the lineup is he's just kind of that stopgap before you get to a rookie center fielder and Martin Maldonado who are scuffling on the season. But, you know, there are going to be guys on base for Yuli Gurriel and his ability to expand the zone and maybe reach outside the zone to get some of these base hits is what makes him special and make, what makes him valuable in that seventh spot because when you're fighting to get through Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker, all of a sudden those guys are on base and you have traffic, he's a good guy to have in that position. Jeff, I would think that if you wanted to get a videotape of a pitching performance by a visiting player at Fenway Park and say this is how you go about pitching in Fenway Park, you would take Framber Valdez's game last night and show that to pitchers around baseball. It was almost a perfect game, I I think, in a lot of ways. Ground ball pitcher took advantage of his defense, got some quick innings when he needed it. Even the inning where he appeared to be a little wobbly, it was only like an eight- or nine-pitch inning. Yeah, I'm with you guys. This is a guy that we've kind of seen the evolution of for Amber Valdez because when he first came up, had a real tough time finding the strike zone. We kind of called him Houdini early on because he would have bases loaded, one out, get that ground ball and get out of the situation. He'd have these upside-down lines where he'd go six innings, zero earned runs, six walks, you know, four strikeouts, and you're going, how is this guy doing it? And in the last two years, he's really focused mentally on the mound, on executing pitches. And I think, you know, adding to what you're talking about, him being almost perfect last night, if you add to that, a, uh, you know, a tied ALCS, a team who is lacking in the rotation as far as depth and a bullpen who has been thrashed trying to get to this point. And then you see what Fromber Valdez did. It made it that much more important. It was really a big step and really a growth process for Fromber Valdez last night. And I couldn't enjoy it more, you know, listening to Martin Maldonado where he kind of said, I'm just setting up down the middle and letting his stuff work. That's how good that two-seamer was. That's how drastic that breaking ball was. One of the more interesting things for me was watching him the first, you know, first two innings 
throwing nothing but fastballs where the curveball is his put-out pitch, and he was able to get through that. And I think that kind of planted the seed in Red Sox hitters' minds that, you know what, his stuff is moving extremely well. He hasn't had to rely on that curveball. When is he going to get to it? So I think he did a great job of establishing fastball, keeping them off balance, and then eventually using that curveball to uh, to get those guys out. But the ground ball has always been his saving grace when he's lost command. Do you think the Astros lineup learned anything the last outing against Nathan Navaldi that they can use this time? I'm talking about the one inning that they faced him a couple of days ago. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is one team that I think, you know, really does an amazing job of making adjustments from at bat to at bat from, you know, first time through the lineup, second time through the lineup. Uh, they, they have certain keys that I know that Troy Snicker and Alex Centron, the two hitting coaches, really focus on. And they know each hitter's swing so intricately that they can make adjustments from at bat to at bat. And they develop that trust, too, because you've got to be able to have the trust of the player to know that you can go to them and say, hey, I know we're in a tight situation. I know that you're facing the, facing the best of the best because we're in the playoffs. But if you notice, your foot is a little off here. Your setup is a little bit different here. Let's get back to this position and see if that helps. And these guys are willing to make those adjustments, and they, they do pay off. But they have an, an unbelievable ability to pick apart pitching, figure out sequences, and really find pitches that they can they can go out and attack. And again, it all goes back to the ability to command that strike zone. These guys are unbelievable at staying disciplined inside the zone. You may have answered this question, but the one guy that I look at in that lineup is Alex Bregman. Do you see any one thing that you can put your finger on on why he's having some issues of not squaring up the baseball like he normally does? Um, you know what? You, you may see this too. He's got a really simple swing. He's got a great mind, by the way. I mean, this guy is thinking constantly, but he's really, over the years that he's played, even from, you know, from little league to minor league to big league, he, he has figured out a swing that he can simplify. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's stride, get the bat on plane and go through the zone. He really thinks about bringing his hands across his chest to try and stay flat through the zone. But for me, the one thing that really kind of gets Alex in trouble, because he's a guy who stands on top of the plate, he wants to be able to pull, uh, hit, hit the ball in the air to the pull side, so he crowds the plate. But when he gets in trouble, his hands will drift a little bit with his stride, and his stride will get a little bit too long. So I would, I would, if you're watching at home and you're watching a guy like Alex Bregman, who has a very simple, very direct swing to the baseball, Sometimes if those hands aren't staying back with that back leg and they start to creep forward in his swing, that's when you see him kind of get beat and start to pop some baseballs up. But if he's able to shorten that stride a little bit, keep those hands back in a good position to fire, that's when he's going well. But, you know, it's, he's always seems to be just a click off. But when that click is right, he can get going. They, he's actually a guy that they're, you know, they haven't had to rely on those top three guys in that uh, lineup for the Astros. They haven't had to rely on so if those guys actually get going, it could be even more frightening what this offense could do. Now, Jordan Alvarez obviously wrote his name very large uh, throughout the game last night, and you know, that at bat with Chris Sale, I think, turned into the turned into the talking point uh, of the game. Jeff, how were you surprised at all at, at how Alex managed that game, given what we've seen before? Because we went through that that inning, and I don't know, I. I understand that managers are being aggressive in the postseason. We're seeing starters used as relievers, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, I saw Chris Sale finally looking like the Chris Sale the, the Red Sox have wanted to see all year. 
and yes, as much as your your Dan Alvarez has had a terrific postseason, it's lefty and lefty. I, I I think maybe people are second guessing Alex Cora because his use of the bullpen set himself up for second guessing. But that, if that had been a game in August or something like that, we wouldn't even be talking about it. <laughs> yeah, isn't that that's the beauty of the postseason? Is that uh, you know you have these long 162 game seasons where stuff like that can kind of get lost in the mix. And then you push it into a short series like a division series or an ALCS, and all of a sudden everything is magnified. And uh, we can really start to pinpoint some decisions that may have led to led to a loss or maybe put a player in a, in a position where they're not comfortable and maybe not the best position to, ex- to succeed. But, you know, there were a couple of situations, and just the way that they were pitching Jordan Alvarez kind of surprised me a little bit because they kept staying to that one side of the plate, both with the slider and the fastball in the outside corner. And I, I was kind of waiting to see after that first at bat where Jordan sat on that first pitch fastball and, you know, lofted it over the, the green monster in left field. I was kind of curious to see if later on, if Chris Sale was going to try and stand him up and throw that two seam fastball at 96, 97 inside and try and get him to, you know, be a little more conscious of the inside corner. But he did, but he wasn't able to locate, and it didn't fluster Jordan Alvarez, who stuck to his game plan of staying on that outside corner and really staying inside the baseball and going the other way and putting together some at-bats. And I think, you know, to your point, there, were, there was a situation, I think, second and third when he did get that double down the left field line is, you know, would that have been a position to pitch a – to try and be, do better about pitching around Gordon Alvarez or maybe change the pitch selection a little bit to keep him off balance and see if you couldn't get him to roll over something or pop it up or even just you know be delicate enough to see if he'd expand. And if he didn't, put him on first base and take your chances with the guy who's struggling behind him. But you know they, they left the pitch out of the plate. Gordon Alvarez is absolutely on fire and had a great approach last night and tore into Chris Sale. It was amazing. Last one before we let you go. You think Dusty starts Jason Jason Castro behind the plate? <laughs> well, isn't that the tough question? Because, you know, as, as tough as uh, Martin Maldonado's been the entire season and in the postseason at the plate, but, you know, the knee-jerk reaction is to put Jason Castro in there and give him four bats and see what he could do. But at the same time, the, the situation's worked out so well where you just kind of let Jason Castro relax a little bit and have him come in and crush closers. I don't, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think a lot of it, you know, it's going to depend on, you know, Luis Garcia, who's he comfortable throwing to? Is he more comfortable throwing to Martin or is he more comfortable throwing to Jason Castro? I think those things actually have to come into play a little bit. And uh, last time out, Luis threw to Martin Maldonado, got roughed up, hurt his knee. I don't know if that plays into it, but, uh, you know, he did throw to Jason Castro quite a bit throughout the course of the regular season. But with a right-hander on the mound, you know, that opens up the opportunity to put an extra bat in that eighth or ninth spot for Dusty Baker. So I guarantee you it's something he's definitely thinking about. I'm just not sure if he'll pull the trigger. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this, man. Great insight as always. Yeah, thanks a lot. No, great talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. That's Jeff Blum, Astros TV analyst. And he's got a World Series ring and a statue from 2005 mm. with the Chicago White Sox. Lourdes Yuli, talk to me about the difference. Well, Lourdes, from is, a hitter's a, point Lourdes is a taller, lankier hitter. That means mechanically he has to be almost perfect to get barrel to baseball. Longer arm guys have to be really good with bat path. Like that, that getting it on playing quick, that's not Lourdes for me. Now, Yuli, that could be a little bit more. He's a little bit more thinking the other way up the middle, 
then, you know, sometimes Lourdes get a little big, wants to, to get frisky, go back leg city wearing that jacket. You know, he sees his buddies wearing the jacket. He wants to get frisky, go back leg. I, I think they're different hitters. Would he be as good as Yuli? I'd say, uh, the, well, it depends on your definition of, of as good. What, what, who do you – I mean, Yuli's hitting seventh. Yeah. Well, what would, what would Yuli hit in the Jays lineup? I ask you that. Oof. I'd say fifth, run producer. Well, you know that 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 uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, again, that's fifth or sixth, somewhere in that range, depending on if it's lefty or righty. Yeah. Maybe matchups, seventh. Kind of thing. You know. Maybe seventh. Teoscar Hernandez is probably going to get fifth. Do they really have a you know be Lourdes or Yuli? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't that, thought of it that way. I was just I, look. I know they're different hitters and everything, but I I, I just wondered if comparing one brother to the other, if if it, it mentally could could Lourdes become me, a little more like Yuli. For me, Yuli right now, this stage of the game, because he's a little older, understands what he wants to do at the plate, what a guy's trying to do against him, can repeat that okay. more times than not. Right now, Lourdes is more relying on he can do it. It's just that link that he has is an issue. I don't want to say a lot of the times, but – Mostly when he's struggling, it's all the time. That's why he's struggling is because the timing of when the foot hits the ground, that's why he eliminated the leg kick because the, the, the direction of his hand, the steering wheel is not always there because he has to have it because of the length of his arms that gives him issues. And, and they're both really good hitters. They got a plan. But right now, if you if you ask me if I want if I needed a hit and you, you, you had to stamp your paycheck with my check is. You know, it is what it is. What are you doing? Am I giving my check to which hitter? Okay. Right now, it'd be Yuli. All right. That's, that's my stamp. No, that's, what do you, that's you asked fine. me what I was doing. That's my stamp. I'm stamping it. Okay. It's just my ring here. In- okay. All right. I just. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.